It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? FFFSOSS.com. At FFFSOSS, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch.tv, slash AsianNick3. Ahead of this Mother's Day weekend, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Um, Beautiful, wonderful women out there. Happy Mother's Day to all you guys. That's great. So enjoy that this weekend. I want to get that off the top of the show before I even get into the runtime. Happy Mother's Day, everybody out there. All right. So on the pod this Thursday, we're going to recap Champions League semifinal first legs. We'll do that in the kickoff, a little extended kind of uh, breakdown of the big moments in each of the ties, Real Madrid, Man City at the Bernabeu, and AC Milan, Inter Milan at the San Siro. So we'll do that, then we'll get into our weekend soccer preview, then talk some NFL headlines with, of course, the schedule starting to get strategically released. They did the international games and the holiday games on Wednesday. They put those out ahead of the three-hour NFL network schedule. Oh, my God, they're out of control. So we'll touch on that stuff. And, of course, updates on the Seneca playoffs, NBA playoffs, and a little PGA Tour talk with Byron Nelson coming up at the end of the program. So we'll do Champions League, semifinal, first legs, in the kickoff, more footy with a weekend soccer preview, NFL headlines, updates on the Seneca playoffs and the NBA playoffs, and a little golf at the end of the pod. Again, happy Mother's Day to all the mamas out there. All right, kick it off, Champions League, semifinal, first legs. We start with Real Madrid, Man City. 1-1 it finished. No Nathan Ake. Kyle Walker was in. Rudiger was in for the suspended Militao. And this game was really all city um, until the Vinicius goal in the first half there. And even after that, I still felt like City had, yeah, obviously, the possession, which will, if you look at the stats or watch the game, you saw how much possession they had, right? But... This was a really interesting game because Madrid took their big chance early in the in that late in that first half, early in the four in the four halves, as you could say, right? Because there's you know two games, you're playing essentially four quarters, two at your place, two at uh, their place in these Champions Leagues, two like knockout stages. So match finished one one. I thought it was a fair result for both sides. Um, and it sets up an awesome second leg at the Etihad. So let's get into some of the action after we talk about the lineups there and um, mainly the quick little game uh, consensus there. So De Bruyne had a shot saved by Kachwa at the near post, and Rodri wound up from distance. His uh, long-range effort was saved by Kachwa. Uh, then De Bruyne played Holland on the run, but his chance easily saved. So City... Having the early of the shots on goal, for sure. Grealish had a good cross for Holland, his header save. And then the best move for Real Madrid to that point was a ball in for Benzema that he ends up controlling with his hand. So he don't, they don't even get a shot out of their best movement. But deep in the Real end, Camavinga gets the ball. 1-2 with Modric on the far touchline. And then Camavinga just put the, the burners on. And it just shows you... Yeah, they don't have Mendy, a true left back. They don't really have depth at that position, but you have a guy in Camavinga who's left footer who's just like, yeah, I, I can play there in a, in a spot if you need me to, Carlo, but I don't really like it. But 
he gets into the midfield in this movement, and there he is leading the Madrid um, move, and he plays a awesome ball after he drives the sideline, then cuts inside. He leaves it for Vinicius, and Vinicius with an all-time strike. I mean, yes, it's obviously a dangerous moment, but how many times have you seen a guy in that position hit it wide or not even test the keeper or strike it so high it goes like 40 rows up, you know what I mean? So not only to get it on target, but to really make it unstable for Ederson. So Brazilian on Brazilian there. Vinicius, the great strike, gives Real Madrid the 1-0 lead. And it's completely, I want to stress this, completely against the run of play to this point in the match. It was all City. They had the chances. They had the ball. They had the uh, momentum of the match. You felt it shifting towards Pep Guardiola side and saying, okay, it's not a matter of if they're going to score at the Bernabeu, it's when they're going to score at the Bernabeu in this first leg. But however, Real bottled up the pressure. Cachua has just been these last two seasons and these runs um, that they've made in this competition – Kachua has just been so good. I mean, I look at the final last year against Liverpool. I feel like he made double-digit saves, at least six or seven that I can think of off the top of my head and a couple of them point blank. But he has, time and time again, when that Madrid defense has broken down for Ancelotti, Kachua has been there to make the big save. And he was there early against De Bruyne, the long effort against uh, from Rodri. Uh, Holland had a chance, a couple chances, and... They were all saved by Cachua, so he had kept the City attackers out of the Real Madrid net to that point. And since it was nil-nil, Real, their first big chance, because, yes, the Benzema ball into him with a handball, the, the chance gets stopped right there. You know, so he can't even, he doesn't even, he's not even able to turn or find Vinicius or Rodrigo. Like, it was just uh, attack ended, right, so abruptly. But then... I mean, this Camavinga run, if they go on to go back-to-back, -back, like, this is stuff of legends, to be honest. Like, Modric comes over to him, 1-2, easily done. He's by the city press. He's driving the sideline, cuts inside, lays it to Vinicius. Vinicius, brilliant finish, brilliant strike. Uh, sensational from the Brazilian, uh, the French midfielder, turned left back now, but... He was doing midfield things on that goal, that's for sure. So that was really um, the first half. I had failed to mention in the buildup, yes, I had talked about Carvajal and Grealish, but I hadn't talked about their matchup per se. That's two divers, two wind-up merchants going up against each other for 180 minutes. And honestly, the way they were both playing and kind of trying to beat the other one or troll the other one, like, I wouldn't be shocked if they're both sent off in the next leg somehow. I really wouldn't be because Grealish, as much as I don't think he's um, malicious with the diving, I think he's just trying to get a call because he is one of the people that and one of the players that is the most fouled in the Premier League um, when he was at um, Villa when they came up. The, stats, the statistics were ridiculous. that He was just being fouled all the time, all the time. So I don't necessarily... Yeah, I label him a diver because he does flop around and stuff, but he is very good at drawing fouls. I will say that. Now, Carvajal is a master of the dark arts. I mean, he just is. He's one of these. Um, he got raised by Ramos. Ramos, another <laughs> master of the dark arts. So 
Grealish and Carvajal, they had a couple spats. They had a couple challenges and tackles against each other. And I thought the referee, though, you know, here and there, I thought he missed a couple calls. I thought he did a good job with those two, managing those two. So they had an incident towards the end of the first half. So we go to the second half now. And we have good interplay between uh, Madrid players, but Benzema's shot ends up going high as they kind of work the ball through the city defense in city's own end, and then the Benzema shot went high. A couple of handball shouts for Real to no avail. They were the right calls, no calls there. Ball nearly goes out of play as City's building it up. Camavinga, it falls to him. He turns it over. Rodri with a great win in the middle of the park plays Grealish. Grealish ball inside to Gunawan. Gunawan fighting off the Real Madrid defense. Lays it brilliantly for De Bruyne. And que golazo can Kevin De Bruyne. Oh my goodness. What a strike from the Belgian. Again, for me, the best attacking midfielder in the world. I've been saying it. I don't know how long I've been saying it. I love Kevin De Bruyne. If he was not on Man City, he'd be my favorite player in the world. Really. If he was on almost any other team besides Man City and United, I guess. But if he's on any other team, I'd say, that's my favorite player. Because he almost is, and he's on Man City, right? So he is so technically gifted. He scores, I believe, the third straight year in this round, in this competition. I mean, that's outstanding. I mean, that's a that's a big-time player, folks. You know, you talk a lot about in this sport, your big guns going missing in big games. It ain't Kevin De Bruyne. That guy shows up, and he often puts the ball in the back of the net, which he did here for the equalizer, 1-1. Then a Real Madrid set-piece, cruise ball in Benzema header, Ederson, big save. It looked like Benzema was offside, but they didn't call it, so the save stood. Then Benzema sets up Choameni, who came in off the bench. Great strike, another excellent save from Ederson, and that was really the last action of the match. As much as the... Uh, Grealish Carvajal battle was it seemed malicious and dirty and dark artsy after the match when Vinicius and Kyle Walker gave, gave uh, congratulations to each other it was like they were like teammates forever it was a very nice little moment there so um, Walker did well Walker did well even though Vinicius did get the goal I, I don't think it was Kyle Walker's fault um, it was just a great strike and City didn't press well and Real Madrid broke a a press that wasn't really there. So when you're rallying guys to kind of hem in the team with the ball in their own end, you have to make sure you're in those spaces, those half spaces, and especially the guy that's one pass away because oftentimes they're not going to try to make that big pass under pressure. So you can kind of leave a guy if someone's kind of closer to the ball. Unfortunately, City didn't really press as a team in that moment. And Modric did a great job of being a release valve for the pressure in that far side on that far corner. And how many times do you think Modric has played a 1-2 with somebody, right? So he, easily enough, he plays Kamavinga, and Kamavinga does a great job. So that goal was... Very well worked for Real Madrid. The City goal, BN Sports is complaining that the ball went out of bounds. They got this graphic. They're like 3D detailing that it's out of bounds. The whole ball is out of bounds. Hey, sour grapes, that sucks. But City pouncing 
we've talked about specifically the city press with the way they're going to line up across. Holland kind of has that free press role, and Grealish and Silva have the wide mans, the wide men, and Gunawan and De Bruyne. De Bruyne kind of has a free role as well, and Gunawan really settles the park down because behind them they have another two guys in Stones and Rodri before they get to the back three. So between Holland having a free roll, De Bruyne kind of having a free roll, Grealish and Silva know who they have to mark and know their responsibilities on the wings. And then Gunawan in the middle, he almost has another free roll in the press because Stones and Rodri are so fantastic in their little two-man pivot, right? So I really think that this Pep system, even though we, we said you're crazy, you're playing John Stones in the midfield, you're playing three at the back, da, 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 you're playing four-man across in the midfield, what are you doing, right, in the attacking midfield? Hey, for everything I've said about him overthinking it, he seemed to have done his overthinking early, and the system works, right? So they go to the Bernabeu, they get a result, 1-1 coming home. It, it's all a play for the Etihad. I think if you said, hey, how do you want to play this first leg? Give us a chance at home, and they have more than that. Now Madrid, yeah, you wish you're up 3-0 going to the Etihad, and you can sit down and play 0-0 and you get to the final. No, but they played a good game, and City should have more to show for this. Man City should have more to show for it than just a 1-1 result going home. The way they played early in that game, up until the Real Madrid goal. Now, Real Madrid can, I don't know if they're saying the same thing, but they had a 1-0 lead for a little bit there. And if they hold on to that, yeah, it's a slim lead, but it's a lead nonetheless. So we are all set up for the Etihad next week. 1-1, it is all to play for. And again, no road goals, tiebreaker, so it doesn't really matter. AC Milan, Inter Milan. At the San Siro, it will be two matches there, six days apart. And if the Inter home leg is anything like the AC Milan home leg atmosphere, oh boy. Oh boy. The scenes on Wednesday in Milan were awesome. Um, hopefully nothing really happened between the two sets of fans. Hopefully everybody's okay and, and nothing bad happened, right? So Inter went at 2-0 in the second semifinal, first leg of the week. Lay out the big miss for AC Milan. Kalangalu and Zeko in for Inter. No Brozovic, no Lukaku that meant. So we get started. Really eight minutes in here. A block shot goes out for an Inter corner. Kalangalu ball in. A awesome ball in swinger. Kind of, I don't want to say loop. It wasn't like slingshot driven, but it was still a driven kind of ball in. And Zeko and Calabria in a tussle and Zeko just gets his foot and wraps the wraps the volley past Mannion what a strike and what strength by Zeko to fight off Calabria the AC Milan captain in that moment brilliant stuff from Zeko a great goal and interrupt one nil and then Milan just relieving pressure with a long ball settled in the midfield by Barella he sends Inter in transition. Uh, DeMarco on the far side. Ball across. Martinez lets it run for Mikatarian, who beats Mannion. Inter 2-0. Two goals in about three minutes and two goals in the first 11 minutes of the match. They were running riot at the San Siro against the Rossoneri. The Nerzari was. 
Then we had another long ball in. This one from the from Inter into the Milan area. Mkhitaryan ends up leaving it for Kalangalu, and he bombs it into the post. Ball comes up. Barella looks like he's going to shoot, but a great pass from Barella to Mkhitaryan. His shot saved. Rebound from Barella goes high. Mannion gets hurt on the save. He stays in, but Benesur also got hurt for AC Milan. He subbed out. Messiah subbed in. Uh, Calabria backheel chance hits the outside of the net. That was really AC Milan's first uh, action in the Inter box. They had not had a touch in the Inter box for a long time to start this match. Inter then had a throw in in the AC Milan area. Martinez ends up spinning Tamare and Kaher and goes down, draws the penalty, but VAR tells the ref to go look at the screen. They wipe it away. He went down a little too easily. You know, I think if he's... If he's a little stronger in not going down and then gets pulled down like by a second effort from Tamari or Kayer, that's when you get that penalty and it's fine. But he was looking to go down. He went down a little too quickly, a little too quickly. So VAR does a really good job there telling the referee to go visit the monitor. The, the referee sees the monitor and notices it wasn't a, as forceful as a push as it did seem at first. So Martinez went down too easily. No yellow card there, though, for diving. Another inter-attack. Latoro's shot this time goes high. Milan's best attack to that point, a Drew shot got blocked. So we go to the second half, and really the three chances in the second half for AC Milan are going to be the things they regret from this match. Yes, you give up two goals early in the match, but then you kind of settle down, and if you get one back, it makes it so much easier in that second leg. It's not as difficult, the one goal as to two. As we know, it's just a different match when you have to score two versus when you have to score one, right? But the three chances that AC Milan have, there's a Diaz chance, there's a Messiah's chance, and then there's a Tenali chance. None of them find the back of the net, and that would have been so big for AC Milan. So anyway, second half starts. That Diaz shot does go wide. Brahimi was having a really tough game. He was getting a little physical. He was getting manhandled by Bastoni, by a Serbi. Um, those guys are doing a really great job on him. And he was getting frustrated. He wasn't getting a lot of calls. And clearly it it um, affected him. Now, AC Milan get the ball in the middle of the park. Tenali, who is a awesome, awesome holding midfielder. One of my favorites across Europe, to be honest. And... He has a great run, and then he plays a great ball to Messiah in space, but his shot is wide. He couldn't get the technique right. He couldn't bend it in, um, and the ball just kind of stayed wide. So Diaz with the chance, Messiah with the chance. Then Inter started playing a little bit better here for this little moment in the second half of this spell because Bassoni's just kind of chilling in the middle of the park, and uh, I think it was Barella made a run in front of him. It dragged the defender, and then Bastoni just kind of walked in, walked in, walked in, walked in. Great ball to Zeko. Big chance. Mannion, great save. Remember that save, folks. Remember that save. If AC Milan ever do come back in this thing. Origi was subbed in for AC Milan. Great work on the far side. Ball in for Diaz. He plays Giroud. Sets up Tenali, but he hits the post. A brutal sequence for AC Milan. And then uh, Pobega, who came in off the bench as well for AC Milan. He had a shot right at Onana towards the end of the match. So, Inter... Strike quickly, strike twice, get that two-goal advantage, and then I don't want to say they kind of coasted in, 
But they didn't play a full 90 minutes, that's for sure. They didn't play a full 90 minutes. And again, AC Milan, it's going to hurt them that they didn't get one back. They unfortunately did not get one back. So that is um, a tough, it, it made it a tougher task going into that second leg. That is for sure. So we're all set up for next Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, we'll preview those games on next Tuesday's podcast after we recap the weekend matches. We will look ahead to these two big, big, big matches, and we'll see who's going to play in the Champions League final. It's June 10th, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, last week, or last week, on Tuesday I said we got PGA Championship coming up in two weekends. Then it's um, same weekend as Championship Sunday, I'm pretty sure. Week after that is FA Cup final. Week after that is Champions League final. Week after that, I think, is U.S. Open. Pretty sure that's the schedule. So, uh, exciting stuff. All right, weekend soccer preview. EPL leads Newcastle. Newcastle trying to clinch top four. Leeds trying to stay, stay up. Um, Ellen Road is going to be bouncing. Newcastle, I don't want to say has struggled, but they have wavered coming in here. Early on, you couldn't beat them. Maybe you draw them, but you couldn't beat them, right? And since Liverpool knocked them off the second time and gave them their second loss there, they've kind of been more vulnerable, especially to lose. Now, Leeds haven't been great, and missing Tyler Adams is huge, unfortunately, for them because they couldn't put together their American midfield with their American manager because they sacked the American manager. But then Tyler Adams did get hurt. It's an interesting match. Newcastle needs the points to clinch top four. They're running out of they're not running out of opportunities, I'll say, but they are you would have thought three, four weeks ago, a month ago, they would have had a clinch by now. Unfortunately they don't. Now Leeds needs all the points they can get. They need to score some goals. Can Rodrigo get a big goal? Can Bamford get a big goal? Uh that will be the test against a Newcastle defense that is Pretty solid. Now, they have leaked some goals. They haven't played the best down the stretch here, but all season they've had a pretty pretty strong defense, relatively. So, leads Newcastle up first. Then we have Villa Tottenham, who Villa is trying to finish in a European place. Emery came in and has done a great job. Tottenham are playing out the string. Who knows who's going to be the manager? Who knows if Harry Kane's staying or going? Who knows what's going to happen at Tottenham with Daniel Levy, the chairman? They're kind of playing out the string. They had an opportunity to get top four. They've had some poor results since then. And I think Villa at Villa Park will be up for the challenge and should get the result there. Chelsea Forest. Forest coming off a huge win. A huge win. They've had a couple better results down the stretch here. They go to Stanford Bridge. And if you're going to play Chelsea, now's the time to play them. They are done. They're resigned for the season. They're probably not going to fight for their top half finish. They're going to get one of their worst finishes ever in the Prem. I don't think the atmosphere will be great. If Forrest could ever get the first goal early, I really think that'll send people home at Stanford Bridge because they just don't want to watch it, and I wouldn't blame them. So Forrest has a big opportunity there. If they can get the first goal or keep it nil-nil as long as possible, 
the Chelsea fans will groan. The Chelsea fans will get upset. The Chelsea fans will turn on the team. We've seen it this season. And that relegation battle is really five teams for three spots right now. Forest, Everton, Leicester City, Leeds, Southampton. Southampton's probably going down. I would say, said, hey, AJ, pick the team. Southampton absolutely finishing last in this prem. They just haven't gotten results. They haven't gotten any results. Um, and then it's really four for two between Forest, Everton, Leicester City, and Leeds. Four for two going down to the championship. All right, Crystal Palace, Bournemouth, two teams that are safe. Crystal Palace with Roy Hodgson coming in have done a really good job. I don't think it was necessarily fair to fire Vieira with the fixtures they had coming up. Uh, and he had played the previous teams tough, but it is what it is, and Hodgson keeps Crystal Palace up. Bournemouth have had a really good um, spell in this second half of the season, in my opinion, with Solanke and Billing. Obviously, Tavernier is one of the guys that I highlight, um, but Solanke and Billing have been excellent for the Cherries, that's for sure. Man U and Wolves. Man U have struggled here. Back-to-back -back defeats, one nils. Um, the late one against Brighton, a howler from De Gea against West Ham. And now they do return home. Their home form is much better than their away form. And they take on a Wolves side who's not fighting for anything now. They're, they've clinched. They're safe. So Lopetegui did an unbelievable job when he took over. They were in 20th. Now they are safe. It's an outstanding job by the manager. Give him a, a bunch of credit. But can they, are they at the beach yet? Are they done? Are they going to give Man United a game at Old Trafford? Or do they lay down to the Red Devils? It's going to be very interesting to see how Lopetegui uh, gets his side pumped up for that one. Southampton Fulham. If Southampton's ever going to make a push, they need to win all their games. Um, Fulham are an interesting side. Have been safe for a while now. The Mitrovic suspension has hurt them. Um, but they still play hard. They still play Marco Silva's system and what they want to do. So I admire that, even without their big gun up top. That's for sure. Um, but this is probably a draw, if anything. Brentford, West Ham, London Derby. Brentford are going to want to get these points over West Ham to hold it over them. West Ham have not been great, but it seems like they're safe now. So are they at the beach now that they're safe after the win against United at the London Stadium? Brentford coming off a tough 1-0 loss to Liverpool where they played and hung in and had some chances with Emblemo and Tony. I think they go back to the style that they play against teams that they're better than or teams that they're kind of equal to and not the style that they go up against the bigger clubs. And I think they get the three points against West Ham. Everton, Man City. Arsenal need Everton to do them a favor. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, Everton, yes, we know Goodison at the end of last season became a really, really great place for them. The home support was outstanding in keeping them up. You're going to need that again because City not only smell blood in the water with Arsenal, but they can send Everton down here. Like uh, a thrashing, and it, it would kill them on goal difference. Like Man City, and I understand they're in between Madrid legs. So you'll see Mares, you'll see Laporte, you'll see maybe even a Calvin Phillips. Foden will probably get back into the team here. Um, you'll probably see Alvarez. So you're going to see a changed Man City team in between these Madrid legs. 
but it still will be a very formidable city side that go to the uh, that goes to Goodison, and Everton are just going to need to play out of their minds for ninety minutes, and I don't think they have it. I don't think they have that. Arsenal, Brighton, Brighton still looking to push for top four. Um, a tough result against Everton <laughs> did not help them. That's for sure. Um, Arsenal at the Emirates trying to somehow, after they were in cruise control really the whole season, the three draws in a row, the loss to City, it's decimated them. Now, can they still finish strong? Can they still say, hey, we went toe-to-toe, yeah, they got us, but we still went out there and played our best and did our best effort. And, yeah, we might have bottled it. We might have lost the league, but at least we still finished strong in the sense of the point total, the finish in the table. Because, again, guys, I really didn't think Arsenal could title contend this year. A top-four finish for Arsenal would have been a great season for me at the start of this campaign, for sure. And it seems like they got that locked up. But... Where they were at Christmas, at the end of the January window, in March there, with the big Reese Nelson uh, goal, right? In stoppage time, it turned that match around. I said, oh, these are the moments of title-winning sides. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like that. Now, Brighton have a ton of matches to play, can make up a bunch of ground, but they got to start doing it. They got to start doing it. Uh, I think Arsenal at least gets a result at home. Final fixture of the match day for the EPLs. Monday, Leicester City hosts Liverpool at the King Power. Liverpool trying to make an unbelievable run and push the top four. They still need things to go their way with some other results, but if they win out and keep the pressure on, Newcastle and Man United, we've seen already that Newcastle and Man United have uh, stumbled a little bit in this uh, home stretch of the EPL season. So Liverpool have been playing well. Um, have kind of figured out the system that Klopp wants them to be in. Uh, Fabinho's legs look a little bit better here uh, down the stretch of the season. And with the attack of Gakpo, Nunez, Jota, Sala, they really scored some good goals. So Trent in the new role has looked great. Now Leicester City are going to be desperate. We know that Vardy has had a good record against Liverpool, to be fair. Madison is a big-time player. Thielmans is a big-time player. But they just haven't shown me enough to say, okay, Leicester isn't going down. Because right now, I could really see them going down. they got some tough fixtures to finish the season. La Liga, Real Madrid, Getafe, Elche, Atletico, and Espanol, Barcelona. Barcelona Derby there. Syria. Lazio, Lecce, Sanatina, Calcio, Atalanta, Spezia, Calcio, AC Milan, Inter take on Sassuolo. So Inter's benefits of staying home this whole week, whereas AC Milan have to travel to Spezia. Monza hosts the Scudetto winners, Napoli. Bologna hosts Roma, and Juve hosts Kremenicci. Bundesliga action, Union Berlin takes on Freiburg. Bayern Munich uh, hosting Shackle. Dortmund hosts Gladbach, Rebel Leipzig against Bremen in Leipzig. So you, uh, Munich is up one point on Dortmund. So that league can flip on one result, as we know. Ligue 1, PSG, Ajaccio, 
A-J-A-C-C-I-O. Is it Italian? Is it French? I got no clue. NFL headlines. Some, some of the schedule starts to be released. The international series, week four, is going to be Atlanta and Jacksonville at Wembley. Then Jacksonville is going to stay in London because week five they're going to play Buffalo. It's going to be a Bills home game, though, at Tottenham uh, Hotspur Stadium. Then week six, we're back at Tottenham. Baltimore taking on Tennessee. Week nine, the Germany games start in Frankfurt, Miami against Kansas City. And then week 10 is Indy and New England in Frankfurt. So that's the international games. No Mexico, it looks like, this year. Holiday games, week 12 is going to be Black Friday. Miami travels up to Jet Life to take on the New York Football Jets. That game is going to kick off at 3 o'clock, and you're wondering, AJ, why is that? that's not a primetime game, Black Friday? Why is that game going to be on 3 o'clock? Well, it's funny you ask that because there's a legal standing that the NFL cannot play on Friday or Saturday nights until December to protect high school and collegiate football. That's the rule. So that's why that game cannot be in primetime. It's got to be at 3 o'clock on Friday. Um, because if you're playing on Friday or Saturday before December, you can't have the game on at night. That's what they say. So that's a Week 12 afternoon Black Friday game. Dolphins-Jets. Don't miss that one. Week 16, Giants-Eagles. It's going to be Christmas Day, that matchup. I think it's a Monday. Uh, week 17, Cincinnati and Kansas City. That's going to be New Year's Eve. Cincinnati and Kansas City, week 17. So we'll have one more week of the season after that one. Um, yeah, I think that Christmas game, it's a Monday, but there might be a doubleheader because they said that game starts at 4. So you're telling me there's going to be a double? Yeah, I mean, there's no way that's not. Like, they do these little teases like, Oh, I wonder. Shut up. Like, just release the schedule already. It's so stupid. All right, back to the team stuff. Packers Brass is preaching patience about Jordan Love. They think he is certainly a skillful player, but they are preaching that we want the fans and the team to be patient with him. So, there you go. Bucks are not going to rush to a starting quarterback decision between Baker Mayfield and uh, Trask, Kyle Trask. Out of Florida, I think it's his third year now? Second year? Third year? I like Tim more than Richard. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that. Uh, Charge GM says nothing has changed with Eckler, and he still has no plans to trade him. So Austin Eckler wants a new contract, or he wants to get traded to a team that's going to pay him. Um, unfortunately, for Eckler, that seems not it's gonna it's not going to happen, and Charge is going to keep him. Texans and Shaq Mason agree to an extension, 3 for 36, so the guard gets paid there. All right, hockey, Stanley Cup playoffs. The Panthers and the Toronto Maple Leafs, it's game four. The Panthers are up 3 nothing in the series, and as I record this on Wednesday night, if we could check the score, this is called producing on the fly, folks. Toronto is... At the end of two, up one nothing. So currently, as I record this, this is time travel, folks, for you. Toronto is staving off elimination if they hold on to that one goal lead. Panthers are up three nothing in that series. Devils facing elimination in Carolina in a game five after the Canes go up three one with a dominant game four performance in Jersey. So Devils have to turn that one around. They did not play a good game in game four. Out West. 
Seattle and Dallas Stars win game four in Seattle. They even the series before they go back to Dallas for game five. Seattle did not have their game in game four. Dallas came out and really played well. Uh, that second period turned the game. Edmonton and Vegas. Vegas dominates game three to take a 2-1 lead. The Oilers did not go on any power plays till really the end of the game there. Um, and they might have had an abridged one after a 4-on-4, four four, if I'm not mistaken. I was watching that game. So, Oilers go down. They are down 2-1 in the series. Uh, that game is a 10 o'clock puck drop on Wednesday night. So, I am unfortunately not going to record at 1 a.m. for hockey. I'm sorry. If you're going to get upset with me, you can get upset with me. I, I can't debate you. I'm just not doing that. I'm sorry. All right. Um... And then we have the NBA playoffs here. Heat-Knicks, that game is going to the third quarter. They're in the third quarter? They're in the third quarter. Knicks up 60-51. They just showed Kyle Lowry. Now seeing Brunson shooting some free throws. One of the Nova guys. So Knicks trying to stay off elimination here. They're down 3-1 in the series. And if they win, they go back to Miami for a game five. Seas, Sixers, Celtics are in trouble. Sixers win game five in Boston. They have a chance to eliminate the Celtics at home in Philadelphia in game six. That will be an absolute zoo in the city of brotherly love. Celtics, Sixers, the old rivalry heating up once again. Out West, Lakers, Warriors. Lakers win game four. They take a 3-1 lead back to San Francisco. Warriors will have to win three in a row. Can they come back from 3-1 down? What an interesting storyline that would be. Nuggets, Suns in that series. Nuggets win game five in Denver to take a 3-2 lead back to Phoenix. Suns going to have no Chris Paul in that game six, unfortunately. All right, PGA Tour, Byron Nelson in Texas. No Spieth, unfortunately. He's got a hurt wrist, so he might be out for the PGA, which would really, really suck. Uh, but still, it's a solid field. A solid field. Scotty Scheffler, Jason Day, Adam Scott, Matsuyama, uh, among major championships, major champions that are in the field. Terrell Hatton, always exciting. A great watch. Um, and a lot of guys who are looking to get their first win. And these non-elevated events, guys, it's going to be really... Um, those are the opportunities for the guys who aren't in the elevated events. Guys who uh, don't might not have the, the star power, the big name. Those are their chance to win tournaments. These ones coming up, like Byron Nelson. Um, so that is the golf this weekend. Byron Nelson next week. We have a two huge shows because on Tuesday we will preview the Champions League second legs semifinals. On Thursday we'll recap those, and then we will do our PGA Championship preview. So that's always a fun show and a big show. Um. So yeah, so we got PGA Championship preview coming up next week. We got the footy, obviously. That is, it's been awesome. The two games over Tuesday and Wednesday were really great games. I mean, that Real Madrid Man City match was awesome. Now I wish AC Milan had scored at least one, so we'd have a a, a closer contest, I guess you could say, going into that second leg. But nevertheless, two 0 can still get turned around. That's for sure. So we will. Recap weekend soccer on Tuesday's show. We'll preview those two legs on Tuesday's show and also a big 
PGA Championship preview on Thursday show next week. So enjoy the weekend. Happy Mother's Day to everybody out there, all the moms. Have a great weekend. Love your mom. Happy Mother's Day. Peace out. That's the name of it? Guys, check out his podcast. That sounds like my kind of podcast. Football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Sounds like me.